When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abual Salmon from Navigant Research. And I'm Rebecca Linland from Rebecca Drives. So you guys have been out doing like ride and drives and, and cavorting in the in the countryside. In, in, <laughs> yeah, you get, to, cars. you get to actually see. But not Corvette. naked. So not naked. Yeah. Not cavorting <laughs> naked in the countryside. Cavorting with cars. <laughs> yeah. We, trust me, I've seen automotive journalists. Yeah. But it's it's not generally generally not a sight you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while you were doing that, I mean, I actually drove the Crown Victoria today. I was very proud of myself, but. Let's let's just get into what we've been driving, the actual cars we've been driving instead of the, the inheritance that sits in my driveway. Um, so, Rebecca, you haven't been on in a little while. What have you been driving? So I've driven uh, several vehicles. Uh, I will be talking soon next week about the Subaru Outback and the Audi Q3. But the one that I've been driving the most in the last week or so is actually it's another Volvo. It's the Volvo S60R design, the T6 all-wheel drive. It's a sedan. It's a nice car. You know, it is. It's really nice. And it's so funny because I remember, uh, you know, a number of episodes ago, really struggling with some of the Volvos that I've had. This one is definitely one of my favorites. I really enjoy driving it. I I continue to struggle and it's very specific to, and I, and I know I've said this before, to the calibration. So I can't say that I'm loving the calibration, even of this really, really, really nice vehicle. So what do you mean by calibration? So the way that it shifts, um, I find that sometimes actually if there's almost a turbo lag feel to it, that is that it kind of jumps ahead. Um, not as much as the XC60 that I had. This one is definitely my favorite so far, which again is funny because I usually really, really love SUVs, but I just, I've, I've, this one, the, the sedan I'm, I'm more enamored with than I was of the, of the SUVs. Um, I find it really the, the S60 really jumps. Um, I mean, it, it, it powers ahead. I can, you know, it's, it's very quick off of the line. Uh, and it's, it's just, it really is actually a lot of fun to drive. So I'm very pleased I got into it. You know, I, Volvo is a brand that is very close to my heart in many ways. I, I, I like the people that work there. I think I'd said once before that I was, I was over in Sweden, um, soon, 
just shortly before they were going to be purchased. And, you know, friends were really concerned and, and the Shaley purchases worked out really well for them. So they're good people. I want to like their cars. So this one, <laughs> and so I'm glad that this one is, but you know, it's a four cylinder direct injection. It is turbocharged. And I wonder if that's part of what I'm well, picking up a little bit. So the T6 is both supercharged and turbocharged. So that's got the like 300, 310, I think it's 310 or 315. Okay. It, it, it's a lot for it, it is a two-liter engine. Well, and that's um, right. It is supercharged, supercharged as well. This one's all-wheel drive. Uh, and, you know, 316 horsepower. I mean, it's it's a lot, and it's, and it's all sorts of fun. So I'm really enamored of this. It's definitely one of those vehicles that I'll be sad when they take it away. Uh, it, you know, zips in and out. It it hugs the turns really nicely. It's so planted. Like it's really sure-footed. And, you know, driving in the rain today, we had big thunderstorms coming through. There was a lot of ponding on the roads, particularly on the Merritt Parkway when I was driving home. And none of that mattered. It just was incredibly sure-footed. So that was that was really, really nice. Yeah, I felt the same way about the S60 in a lot of ways. It just, it feels really good from behind the wheel. You know, it feels solid and, like you said, sure-footed. Um, and it, it seems like this is the car that they've finally figured out how to how to tune the suspension so mm. that it's it's not only sort of smooths out road imperfections, it's kind of supple, but it also, it does still handle pretty well. Um <laughs> Where did you, so like, this is $55,000 roughly. Yes. Um, and it's about the size of a three series. So how does it stack up against a three series? Yeah, well, it, you know, it's so funny that you say that because I had my niece, I picked up my niece uh, today and she was sitting in the back. She's 11. And she actually commented on how small it was in the back. And she, she's, Shorter than me, which is saying something just because she hasn't had her growth spurt yet. Um, but and she's 11. <laughs> hey, but, so for some of us, it never happened. Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> so she actually bumped her head getting into the car. And then she commented from the back seat. She said, you know, it's pretty small back here. And I said, well, do you think it would fit three adults? And she said, no, because the center console actually juts out all the way into really where you would put somebody mm. if you so you'd have to, to straddle the console fly. if you're in you the middle very much have to straddle the console very much so that uh, always sucks it does it does and, and she's absolutely right on that you would have to and so then it's it's, a, it's actually a little smaller than the three series i guess at this point right i guess it is i mean yeah, I guess I guess it, it it is. I don't know exactly the dimensions, and actually, it's been forever since I was in a three series, so I haven't driven one in in several several. I would say at least two generations. Oh no, I lie. I drove one briefly. <laughs> I drove one briefly in February. I haven't had one at home to test drive. You know, for the week that we typically do, I drove one briefly um, at an event a couple uh, back in February that BMW had. It was across. A, you know, a, a full line event. Um, so, you know, so from a size standpoint, I think this is a good vehicle for a smaller household, you know, maybe one child kind of thing. The trunk is absolutely cavernous. 
I mean, it's it's just huge, which is nice. Uh, but, you know, there is some some loss of utility um, because it's a it's a sedan, but that's OK. It's it's not for everybody. Um, but I think for a commuter car I mean, this thing is all sorts of fun, you know, and again, it's all wheel drive, which is great, you know, given where we live that you're going to run into some snow. Um, I'm getting pretty good fuel economy. I would say about 25 uh, is what's stated. It says it's up to 32 on the high on the highway. I don't think I'm quite getting that much, but I am driving it a little bit you know, more aggressively um, than some would say. I drove it down to the airport, uh, which in, tra- you know, in traffic is always is always heavy. I drove it. I drove it from JFK. Uh, when I flew in the other day, and then I drove it uh, back and forth to LaGuardia. So I've been in some some amount of traffic with it as well. But, you know, it rides really, really well. I mean, any vehicle that can handle the construction sites that are going through the summertime here and feel like, again, that sure-footed and planted feel is is an A-plus in my book. And I I just pulled up, uh, used the, uh, my, my favorite uh, research site, uh, kbb.com's uh, comparative compare cars page and pulled up the, uh, the latest three series and the S 60 and dead on. Uh, well, the, the S 60 actually has uh, a one inch longer wheelbase and it's about uh, just shy of two inches longer overall. Uh, so they're, they're, they're close enough to be essentially the, the same and the interior the rear seat dimensions. Yeah. Well, the interior, what's the interior volume? Uh, it's not listed here actually for either one of them, but, Rear seat dimensions, uh, you get 35.2 inches rear leg room for both cars. Um, rear shoulder room, 54.6 for the uh, BMW, 54.5 for the for the Volvo. So, I mean, it's it's effectively the same, same size they, for both. Yeah, they, yeah. they list it as a five-passenger, but according to my niece Avery, it's definitely not. Unless they, well, they, they, they listed the, they listed the second-generation Chevy Volt as a five-passenger yeah. as well. And that was... You know, again, just, just because they put a center seat belt in there does not mean that's suitable for an actual human passenger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they also they don't specify the size and shape of the items. That's very <laughs> like, true. Like the people okay. you mean. Yeah. So, you know, so I, mean, I, I just went to uh, fueleconomy.gov uh, and pulled up the specs there. And there they list the uh, the BMW at 94 cubic feet interior volume. Which, oh, the Volvo's got more which, than that. Which, which, by the way, is exactly the same as a Chev- as a Tesla Model S. Yeah, that's um, not that big. Yeah, I know. It's big on the outside, small on the inside. Well, that's that's yeah. the thing that's weird. And you know, the three series keeps growing larger and larger on the outside. Yeah. Like it's like mm. the car that has mumps, but apparently <laughs> on the inside, it's yeah, it's staying the same. And yeah. the, and the Volvo is ninety six cubic feet. Oh, I thought the Volvo so, was over a hundred. So, so at least at least nominally, it has uh, you know a slight advantage. Yeah. Well, I I, certainly for affordability that to me, like, okay, you got a T6 all wheel drive, R design. That's a, it's really, really good looking. Yes. Both inside and out. Absolutely. The materials are gorgeous. Uh, and it's really well equipped at that price. A BMW that costs or that's that's equipped like that is going to cost a lot more. So my only, the only thing that there's, there's two things that I was, I was surprised and disappointed about there's no ventilated seats, which most vehicles, even even less expensive than this, at least offer. And I, I can't, I don't see that it's even an option right now. Um, and then I can't get the, I assume it has automatic high beams 
or automatic headlamps, adjusting you know headlamps, I cannot get them to work. Uh, much to the dismay of whomever I was driving in front of, um, a, you know, driving near the other night, yeah. coming home. But I, it it fe- it says auto high beam standard. I can't get them to work. I'm trying to remember the last time I I had an issue like that with a Volvo. It's and probably was, somewhere in the uh, in the census pages. Yeah, it, well, there's that because mm. there's there's census, and then there's also settings that you can get to using the um is it the controls on uh, your thumbs on the steering wheel spokes? Yeah, that, yeah, that on the, the left the, the left hand controls on the on the left hand uh, steering wheel spot spoke. Yeah, so, so okay. depending on the drive mode, I think or, or there was something where it was shutting that stuff off. Yeah. Um, and it was accessed through the, the instrument panel settings, okay. not the senses. I'll play with it in the morning because it was it was very surprising. And I've actually been really disappointed. It says active bending lights. And so, yes, that's the, those are the ones that turn into corners. Yeah. So I, I've been very disappointed in the lights. And again, I've been driving it at night quite a bit. Uh, and I feel like I'm just doing something wrong. I, I don't I don't know. It's, it's just it's a little bit strange from that standpoint. Uh, especially for a Volvo, you know, I mean, normally yeah. these things are very intuitive. I did find, I, I did skim through the pages on the, um, the interface. I, the other kind of weird things when I picked up the car, the bolstering, uh, uh, thigh cushions, they, they were extended all the way out and it looked really bad when you first yeah. get in the car and your feet dangle. Well, <laughs> and, well, the other thing is that you can't adjust that until the car is on. There's no way to adjust it. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense because it's power operated, right? So well, the, the seat, the whole rest of the seat moves back and forth and you can adjust the whole rest of the seat except the cushion extender. Oh, do you have to get to that through the yes. census menu? Yes. I see. You have to get through it through there. See, th- things like that should not be buried in the... In, well, actually, you know, if, if you think of it, though, from the perspective of an average customer... An average customer is not going to be changing that very often. Well, right. So right. there's, we're, and that's, th- this is, that's this is, thing. this is our first world problem. You know, where we're jumping <laughs> from one car to another all the time. Right. And, you know, whoever happened to be in it last, you know, left it set a certain way, you know, and but, so that's, that's one of the that, things that we, we deal so with. You complain about this to your friend Russell at Volvo, and that's exactly what he'll tell you. But I will he's tell like, you, you know, the only people that bitch about this stuff are you guys. No, but but <laughs> like so my so my passenger though, because my passenger would in fact change frequently, and it's the same thing for the passenger. Yeah, so, that's true. Right, so, but but most of the time, I mean, this probably has memory seats in it, right? Yes. For and, driver and passenger, or just driver? I think just driver. Right, that makes more sense. You know, but again, it's yeah, power driver seat with memory. But again, yeah. the thing is that that passenger seat is under those same constraints. And so for the passenger, like like my niece would not have been able to her feet would have dangled and we would have spent some time, you know, figuring it out. My but, sister. But let, let, let me tall, ask the question yeah. again, though, when you're riding as a passenger in somebody else's car, if it has adjustments like that, is that something that you typically adjust as a passenger when you're a passenger or only when you're driving? I, oh, I adjust everything. I adjust everything. Okay. I'm, I, I'm like, you mind if I play with the radio? I'm fr- I'm five freaking feet tall. Again, I, 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 I think I think this is I think this is probably one of those reviewer problems, not necessarily yeah. a real world problem, because no, I suspect I that most people actually fair, don't. Though. 
um, when you have a car that's got a lot of settings and like some of them are over here and some of them are over there. And you, yeah. even if you're driving, you know, a couple of different passengers, uh, that, that's a fair criticism that this stuff is a little bit more difficult to find. And that, yes, it's true that as your, your ownership experience continues, you'll, you'll figure that stuff out and it will be less of an issue, uh, over time. Um, but it's, it's still, I think it's, it takes a while. Right. You're going to have to stop and think for at least the first six months or a year. And then if you if you don't use that stuff on a regular basis, you're going to forget. And then the next time you need it, you're going to have to figure out how you did it. Well, so it's still fair, I think, to criticize it for that. And, and the thing is that it's to me what I didn't what surprised me about it is that you can adjust the seat every which way to Sunday except this one thing. Why? That must be the one thing that's like optional. Then the, the best way to do it is to make it drive through the screen. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, you know it's the- certainly <laughs> it's not a reason to not purchase under any sort. I mean, there's so many good things about this vehicle that I feel like I'm nitpicking, but it just really stuck out again. Like when you open the, you know, just because the, the part of it was the positioning that they were in when I picked up the car. But again, it's a first world problem. But I think it's it's lovely. I really, really, I'm very much enjoying the vehicle. Blame the fleet driver. Exactly. <laughs> you know, run it into a couple of things. No, no, I was like that when I picked it up. Uh, so. call, call up our friends at the drive shop and say, hey, when you when you deliver these cars, you know, make sure you set those seats back the right way. Yeah, exactly. I, I will say also that uh, when I picked it up from the parking spot outside of LaGuardia, uh, the guy commented on the car and how beautiful it was. And these are people that see cars every day and dozens and dozens and dozens of them. So, you know, the fact that he commented on the color and on the styling, I always take those into consideration as well. well because, what, what color is it? Um, it's this beautiful, uh, let me see the exact color of it. It's a red, uh, uh, yeah. it's the fusion red metallic that is just yeah. gorgeous. And does it have the, the tan interior? No, it actually has the black interior. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, it's definitely gets very hot in this time of year, but it has the nice mesh over the, um, over the sunroof. And, yeah. you know, it's just, again, it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's the, uh, the materials are just beautiful. I, they, Volvo has since like, since the, the 2015 XC, XC90, mm. they've just, they've been unbeatable. Yes. At, any sort of any price for their design. They have a clear family resemblance. The materials and design inside is fantastic. Uh, it just, everything in those cars just looks and feels so good. Um, and I, I do think, you know, we complain about census and I, I think to a degree it's the class of the, the car. Um, I, I was talking uh, with Jay from BMW about this a little bit too, where, um, it's kind of an issue for European premium cars because personalization is such a big part of the ownership experience. And it's really, really hard when you're lending those cars out for a week to journalists to provide that experience. You know, we, sure. we were talking specifically about BMW Connected Drive, mm. um, which, you know, puts a lot of stuff in your app. And uh, yes. After a while, it has AI and it learns about you and it knows that, you know, at this time of day, you drive to the office. So it automatically checks the traffic and, and like tells you and it'll send you a note and and, and say like, hey, you know, um, it'll, it'll send you reminders and stuff like that about traffic on routes that you normally travel. 
uh, on a regular basis. So like all of that stuff is like, that's, those are things that we miss as, uh, reviewers and we kind of fight with some of it, you know, like, um, the, the S60, for example, like you're going to set those settings and you're going to set them like once and then you're going to be done. It's going to be tied to your fob and it's going to know who you are and all that stuff. It's just going to, it's going to be more of an extension. It's going to be like a phone, right? You're going to set it up the way you want it and then it's going to be good. Um, we don't, we don't really get that. Uh, no, you're right. And, and that's why I don't, I, I've actually, I've been okay from, from the very beginning. I've been okay with this interface. I've, it, it's, it's pretty intuitive for me, which oh, is, man, I've hated it. Well, which, well, <laughs> but that, I mean, that's saying something because as we've talked about, I, if you have technology, I will break it for you. And, and even, you know, it was funny because I remember going, really hard after Acura on the RDX because there's no place to hang up the phone. And it's the same thing actually on the Volvo, but the button on the right-hand side of the steering wheel, it does a lot of stuff. And that's one of the things it does. And somehow it's very intuitive. So our friend, Chris Naughton, uh, brought a, the RDX to my house a couple weeks ago, and he showed me how to hang up the Ooh, phone. And it's like a three-step process. <laughs> you get personal visits from Chris Naughton? Well, like, if you didn't live great. out in the wilds of Boston, you know, suburban Boston. I mean, Boston. he's very good to us, and I, I love working with the, the Honda and Acura team because they're just sharp. Yes. Um, but, like, I get PDFs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when when the RDX came came out last year, um, you know, I had uh, my my local Honda rep came out and you know gave me the walk around and showed me how everything worked on there as well. And, you know, that yeah. that was Jessica Paul from the Detroit office, oh, and she's with Honda now. She's so I so I yeah. had uh, so it was funny. Chris came over to the house actually, uh, and we just had some coffee and some donuts and muffins and things like that. And then uh, and then I went directly. You from have him. coffee and donuts. And I, <laughs> And then we went directly to, to lunch with Jessica. So I, I had I had a, a Honda Acura day a couple of weeks ago. But yes, it was well, great. Good fun. for you. Yeah, it was yeah great. And like actually, see, that's really I, I think that that's the biggest thorn in the side of, of uh, all of the, the PR folks. It's like you get us idiots in there and we, you know, it, Sam and I have, have spent a good portion of podcasts complaining about census. And it, like it is what it is. I'm never going to love it, love it. Um, but understanding more about how it operates and and uh sort of how you kind of get to that set it and forget it place i've been trying to actually think about that as i get into the higher end cars and and just like set the settings and, and let it do its thing but and, uh, you, and know, you know the best yeah. thing dan next year mm. you get to start that process all over again with the next generation volvo infotainment <laughs> system <laughs> no that, that's good you know it, it and i've seen like the mock-up of it and it, it's promising yeah. but you, you know the at the end of the day too like me personally I'm just not that kind of customer. I don't, I don't want or, or use that stuff. I don't even like auto dimming mirrors. I actually, I quite dislike auto dimming mirrors. As a matter of fact, um, I don't like auto climate control. Like I just, I, I don't know what it is. Like most of the automatic stuff I don't like. I know what it is. And you're just our resident curmudgeon. I, it's true. You're, uh, you're, you are our resident 80 year old man in a 40 year old body. I am exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, the body. Well, uh, actually, you were, maybe, you were an 80 year old man when you were in your 20s. So it's <laughs> true. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm growing into it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, the S60 is a, it's just a lovely car, though. And, and I, I feel like it's personally, I prefer the V60 lost. myself. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm down with that. I, I could I could 
rolled with the V60. Yeah, I um, I loved this. Is, it's been fun to drive a sedan also. I, and I also just love how it it the way they've designed it, it just brings some of that classic Volvo-ness to especially the S60 and the V60. They just they have elements to their style that it's not retro in any way, but it it just feels like it's got that that family lineage back to like you know the 164 or the yeah. the 240s and stuff. It just uh, whatever they're doing, they need to just keep doing it because it's it's working well, for me personally. And, and it's funny you say that because <laughs> um, by coincidence, we turned in my sister's uh, 2007 Volvo XC90 uh, to CarMax today. It, it had 125,000 miles on it. Oh, it it's just needs, in time for the transmission uh, to blow up. Well, yeah, it needs some significant work to it. And so I insisted on driving following her in case it broke down. And, uh, and first of all, the people at CarMax were in New Haven were lovely. Uh, but when we had a great experience with them, uh, but you're absolutely right. Like, you know, it's just this classic design. I mean, it's just, and then on the way back, we happen to be behind a brand new one. And there's just, there's a continuity about the Volvo design. That's very reassuring that yeah. it's just, you know, it, it's something that you can, you can depend upon without it being uh, being old or stodgy or boring. Like there's just a beauty and elegance to their designs. It's really lovely. Yeah. All right. So, Sam, you were in the X2 M35i? I was. I uh, had that last week uh, before I headed off to, um, to Nashville uh, this week. And um, I was quite surprisingly impressed with it um, okay that's that's good because the the criticisms let me lay them out right they were it's hard to see out of the back that is true it's, it's stiff um it's throttle response is not good uh i think that might be in the steering's a little weird or the steering is numb uh, I yeah think those are the uh, main complaints. I, I would definitely agree uh with visibility out the back being problematic uh but you know that's also not unfortunately not something unique uh, to this uh, to this class of vehicle, and that's why you know, for example, when I had the uh, the new Range Rover Evoque a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was nice to see that it had you know a camera mirror system in there, you know, because that basically bypasses all the stuff you know with the the low sloping roof, you know, the small rear window that you know that's mostly blocked by the rear seat headrests anyway. Uh, you know, having the, the camera mirror system in the uh, in the Range Rover was extremely helpful and i think it would have been it would behoove bmw to adopt that technology for vehicles like the x2 as well um and and actually i think it, i think it would be good for a lot of manufacturers to to go down that path and start adopting this technology i know some people don't like the camera mirror systems uh but i think that it's it's something that people should start getting used to because you know if we're going to have vehicles of this shape you know, you need to be able to see what's behind you. And, well, and it's optional you know, too, right? I mean, you yeah, can, you it's can, optional. Yeah, you don't not you, optional, but you, you can put it on and can, off. Yeah, you can switch it on and off, so you can switch right. between standard mirror control and the um, and the camera, you know, display, which you know is actually what I did. You know, I'll get to this later when we talk about the Cadillac XT6. Um, but you know, the BMW does not have that system in there, uh, and I agree that. The the throttle the off the line throttle response is a little uh, a little weird sometimes you know it it definitely 
there's definitely some lag right off the line, especially if you're in drive mode. If, you know, if you put it in sport, it's reduced, but it's still, you can still feel it there. You know, once you get to the point where I was putting it in like the most extreme sport mode. Yeah. <laughs> just cause it was, it was really responsive. It was ready to go at that point. The problem is like on the highway, it just, it holds in a higher gear and stuff. And yeah, it's, just, it's a little too much. Yeah. So, you know, once, once you're, once you're in motion, it, it's great, you know, and personally, you know, I didn't, you know, uh, yes, it is, it is definitely stiffer than the, uh, the 28 I extra 28 I that I drove a few months back, um, which is the, the, the base four cylinder turbo version. Um, it's definitely stiffer than that, you know, and on 20 inch wheels on a vehicle of this size, you know, you're, you're not going to have a whole lot of compliance from the tires, well, and their run flats too, which yeah, help. that that but, makes it even worse. But to me, like the run flats are a selling point on the BMW. Like I, I like the run the reassurance of the run flat. I'll, so I'll trade some ride harshness for it. Yeah, I mean, I, and and it came in handy for me a couple of years ago uh, when I was driving a five thirty. Um, you know, I got a flat tire in that thing, uh, and you know the the run flat you know got me home you know <sighs> got me home the last fifteen miles. Um, which unfortunately by that time the tire was completely <laughs> destroyed, but, <laughs> uh, but it did get me home. Um, so, you know, run, run flats, you know, can be useful, but you know, on, on this X2, um, you know, on the, on the M35i, you know, what, once, once you get it going, I, I had a lot of fun driving this thing, you know, that I like that. <laughs> I like that bright orange interior, you know, it was kind of a, a you know, something different, you know, cause kind of, kind of fun to drive in. Um, you know, it's, it feels, you know, it's a nice size vehicle, you know, it's not too big. You know, the interesting thing is this is the same platform as the, uh, the mini countryman. Uh, yes. it, so it, it shares this platform with the countryman and, um, uh, BMW uh, or mini, you know, just introduced a, a new version of the John Cooper works, uh, for the clubman at least that has the same engine in it, 302 horsepower, uh, two liter, four cylinder. And presumably they'll, they'll put it in the countryman at some point as well. Uh, but you know, this was, this thing was really quite a hoot to drive. You know, once you get onto some twisty roads, um, I didn't, you know, it's, it's stiff, but I didn't find it, you know, really painfully uncomfortable. You know, I thought for a, for a, a, a performance oriented version of a vehicle like this, I thought it was acceptable. Um, you know, I've certainly driven cars with, with much worse ride quality than this thing. So, you know, it, it, it was, it was nice. It was, I liked it a lot. Um, and I liked it better than the, the base X2 and, you know, at, at 50 grand, you know, it's certainly not cheap. Um, but you know, and as a BM, as BMWs go, especially M badged BMWs, it's not bad. You know, I think I, I would probably prefer to pay that kind of money for this than I would for a mini. Uh, you know, and I've had minis really? that were, that were near this size, you know, because I, I like the interior of this thing better than I do the minis. So that, the, yeah, the mini interiors true. I find to be very gimmicky and, and frankly, kind of annoying <laughs> after a while. Yeah. Um, you know, so that. I, I, I yeah. like the way this one works better than the mini. Um, and you know, even the back seat was, was usable for an adult. Yeah. It was, so that was, I mean, I think that's been the consistent finding all of us who've had the X2, um, you know, I, I think that the argument about the the ride quality is like ridiculous. Like, you're you're deliberately purchasing this car. Yeah, if you're gonna buy a BMW M, it's gonna be stiff. That's just right. that's what you know, that's what you're buying an M for. You should not be surprised by that. Yeah. Right. 
And, right. you know, take it for a test drive. If you don't like the way it feels, don't buy the M, buy the buy the regular one. Yeah. And, and BMW, like they've got an answer for just about every critique too. Hmm. Um, you know, the visibility is bad or it's it's a little tiny, so it doesn't have that much cargo space. Hey, buy the X3. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or the X1, like either of those are options and they're priced right around the same thing. And, you know, if you need something more like that, then buy one of those, <laughs> you know, uh, it, I just found that the, the X2 uh, M35, I just it just looks really good. I really, really loved the M Sport seats. I thought they were fantastic. Oh, yeah, they look those are so always great. great. Yeah, I mean, the, the, and it's just it's a it's really not. A crossover or an SUV. It's a hot hatch. And when you think of it that way, it makes a lot more sense. Like, okay, it's about the size of a GTI and it, it performs. Yeah, well. I mean, you know, it's it well, it's actually more comparable to a Golf R, you know, in terms yeah, of its power it output. Like yeah, you know, it's an all-wheel drive, three hundred horsepower, four cylinder turbo, two liter turbo. So it's you know, it's almost the same, you know, as a Golf R, similar in size. It's a little taller than a golf, but you know, uh, you know, the terms of price it's not that much more than a golf r so it's yeah i think it's it's a good option yeah and the mini will be cheaper but you have to put up with the mini so yeah (laughs) i think there's that i really like these kinds of cars too i like this size of vehicle you know the kind that can kind of go from urban to suburban easily and just for it's a usefulness of it too it has this really fun sporty activity look but at the same time, there's some there's some cargo to it as well. Yeah, I um, mean, we had we had a bunch. Of, we had a full house in in the the X2 when the last one I had in South Carolina. It was filled all the seating positions, and it was it was fine. And now, granted, nobody was all that big in the back seat, but still, uh, it was it, it, it wasn't a car that generated complaints. So I thought that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> my driving on the other hand may <laughs> no it looks a lot of fun i can't I, I hope i get a chance to drive it sometime yeah well you're the last one i know so i know gonna i gotta be... put my hand up right. <laughs> <laughs> let's see what we can do uh well so while you guys were, were driving premium european hardware i had myself in the 2019 gmc acadia black edition um and i, I came away with n- no real complaints, but two very big niggles, I think. Just like stuff that I personally can't get past. And and one of them, I think, is actually kind of a, a sin. Um, and I'll, I'll start with that, I guess. It's the steering on this has a weird response where it's almost like it shuts off the assist if you're holding the wheel in a steady position. And then if you move it, a little bit, it kicks it back on and it makes you go way off your line. <laughs> and then you got to recorrect as it just has this weird stretchiness slash like notchy feeling, especially on center, like on the highway. And it, it got to the point where I, I was just fantasizing about stopping at a rest stop and burning it to the ground. <laughs> Cause I was just like, I, <laughs> I cannot believe you guys made this car and made it do that. Wait, I don't, what, I, I, which trim was it? What did you it, have? I had the black edition. So it's an SLT one. Okay. Trim okay. That has, um, 
black 20 inch wheels then oh, like the, the wheels are actually out, really nice and the blacked, blacked out, out real, trim yeah. the blacked out accessories okay yeah. it's very handsome and right. it it's the it feels very solid you know it's good to drive actually um it 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 rides well it's disciplined it handles decently as far as that goes uh, um the 3.6 liter v6 has, has plenty of snort it it feels pretty live it feels more lively i think than like a comparable um I, my frame of reference would be like the durango which is okay. probably a little heavier but, right yeah for sure you know, it also has a 3.3.6 3.6 liter v6 so that they're comparable in that sense the gm 3.6 is a, that's a good engine it feels good it's a it's a powertrain and this is there's nothing to, to complain about it it works just fine uh, it just has three rows of seats. So that that's pretty good. Although if you're going to use all three rows, then you kind of run out of cargo space pretty quick. Um, the ergonomics are great though. I really liked the way it had simple controls for the stuff you're going to use the most. And it's, uh, it was, I think it's IntelliLink is pretty intuitive to use, but that brings me to my major, major complaint. So this is a $45,000 vehicle. It's, it's SLT is the trim. So the only thing above that is Denali, I think, in GMC land. Right. Yes. Um, yep. And so the A, GMC is stupid by having multiple levels of SLT. Like there's SLT1, SLT2, and you, you can go on from there. Just make one. <laughs> I can't. I, I don't understand. <laughs> um, but also $45,000, no navigation. Now I understand what? factory nav may not be great, but that, it has yeah. I mean, no at that price point, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and granted, you, you know, can buy it, you can yeah. get it optionally, but, but forty-five you know, grand, you can you can get a loaded Durango for under forty. That's out insane. the door. It's going to have all that stuff. So, and again, with the is Durango, it, is it an so. OnStar thing? Like, do they want you to use OnStar? Like, so what? you can you can use OnStar. Like, you can use yeah, the you, app can, you can you can get the turn by turn directions yeah. from OnStar. You know, but that which, yeah. which is not the same. No, it's not right. the same. You you don't get maps with that. You know, right. they they right. download. You know, you call up OnStar, tell them where you want to go. They download directions download for you, right. and it gives you prompts when to turn. So some of that is like, but you also they, have so Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, so you can use Google Maps. You and, do. Uh, Ways and Apple Maps, you know, whichever one you want to use. But here's where I tip over into, again, being the curmudgeon. Like, I don't want to do that. No, I, I don't, don't think that's a curmudgeon thing I, at all. And I'll, I'll tell I, you, I'll, I'll tell you my, what happened to me one time when trying to use OnStar turn by turn is we were in a snowstorm and there were trees down everywhere. And I tried to tell the woman, I, the OnStar assist person, I said, these turn by turn directions are not going to work. Those roads are closed. And she had no solution for me. Yeah. Well, I don't know if like factory nav is going to solve that either. Well, well no, no factory, a factory nav would, because if you turn off of the route that it's predetermined, you know, then it'll well, recalculate true. the route. Right. But and, the, and, the, and I the like OnStar, having the map. I like having the map in front of me also. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's true. Know, being able um, to reference the map, you know, visually and, and try to right. figure out where you want to go, you know, is very helpful. I mean, it worked worked, worked great for us the other day when we were driving, you know, uh, in the the Versa. Exactly. Yes. I have the artisan nav system in the Crown Victoria. It's a bunch of maps from AAA. They're in the door (laughs) pocket. If I go to New Hampshire, I pull out the New Hampshire one. 
Okay, now you are truly curmudgeon <laughs> What's hilarious is that, like, that will flummox people. They don't know how to navigate with a paper map, and they don't know how to sort of d- d- to, like, dead reckon where they are and what they're going to come up on next. Oh, man, that's it's, awesome. It's amazing to me that the skill that was just, like, something that just about everybody had back, you know, not too long ago is, is, is a dying art. Hey, it's but not, yeah, it's not I, too I, long ago that people also knew the skill of how to dial a rotary dial telephone. Well, you get a pencil. and you right, uh, yeah, my kids are they're okay, learning cursive we've, at nerds. We've but, gone but down a rabbit hole. Okay, off, let's, off the point. Um, <laughs> I, I found it unconscionable at this price point that it's not standard, that you have to pay extra for it. And I, I don't I don't like the argument that, um, yes, but you have CarPlay and Android Auto. So, you know, that's your solution. Like, no, A, my phone is not compatible with that, which I understand is my device's problem. But I shouldn't have to spend $45,000 on a car and then another whatever on a device that I've then got to turn location and and nav on on my device to make it work. What if I don't want to do that? And I realize I'm probably a special case putting up all these roadblocks, but that's how I roll. I don't have no I don't have location on on my phone generally. Um, And and so. Yes, it it will work, and I'm sure it actually works quite well with with Android Auto and with Apple CarPlay. So there's that. That's fine. Um, and some of it I too too I think is the um, the OnStar stuff. You, you know, is there some of that customization where you get like the app? You can put the OnStar app on your phone, and you can probably send stuff to the car uh, that way as well. So you can send directions to your car with your phone with with OnStar. Right, but I think right. you know in that case you're still you still have the same problem you do with the OnStar turn by turn, no which turn is that I think or, it, no, it doesn't no. it's not necessarily going to recalculate be able to recalculate your position. Right. See that's that's to me that's dumb. And the biggest sort of like stick in the eye with it was, but it has Wi-Fi. It has it has <laughs> built in four G LTE. All I think all of them do. Oh yeah, all all GM cars have OnStar with four G LTE yes, right. hotspots built in now. Right. So, so again, four- I'm buying a forty five thousand dollar car. I'm taking on another subscription for another device, right? Because that's what the four G LTE hotspot is. It's you got another, you got a modem in there, and somebody has an account with someone, and you got to pay for it. Like it's a four hundred ninety five dollar option. The eight inch diagonal GMC infotainment system with nav is four ninety five four hundred ninety five dollars more. See, than the eight inch diagonal without now. Like the, the, which that's is not a bad price. No, but, but it, I agree with you. It should have it at, at that level. Like I, I was just, I was like, I was offended and I've gone on about as long as I should about it. But I was just like, this to me is offensive that, that they make it this way. And that, you know, I, I guess at some point, if it's going to tip over to like, you know what, we're not including factory nav because we can't keep up with the app makers and they're mm-hmm. just better at it. But I, I think that that's abdicating your responsibility because, you know, factory nav sort of it, it's vetted, you know, it, it meets those car maker standards that we talk about. Right. They, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that when we talk yeah. about the XT six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, but you know, overall the I, other, I don't really have any complaints about the Acadia. Other than than that sort of weird option bundling, how did um, you feel about the materials on the interior? Yes, yeah, GM gets docked a lot on that, and I I I think they felt they felt really good. You know, good. it has everything presented really well. It had tasteful trim. You know, brushed aluminum like real metal trim around the center stack and the air vents. It had white contrast stitching. Uh, you know, every, everything looked and felt pretty good. 
uh, n- not out of place in a $45,000 vehicle. You know, it's, maybe if it were 60, I'd have something else to say about it, but at right. this price level equipped this way, it, no, it was, it was, it was on point. It feels really Good. competitive for the class actually. Good. Nice. Okay. Excellent. While we're talking about GM, uh, you weren't on last week, uh, Rebecca, to talk about yes. the C8 Corvette and Sam, you've actually seen one in person now. So, yes. um, I will, I will turn it over to you two to sort of let forth the, the levy, uh, with more about the mid engine Corvette that is apparently now actually here. So, you know, it was, it was really, I mean, obviously it was really cool to see it in person. I think it's, I would reserve judgment for people who haven't seen it in person. I, I think that it's more, it's obviously going to be more compelling. I, it's, I understand some of the complaints about it looking like a generic mid-engine sports car and not a and and not a Corvette. And what really I think those people are it wrong. It, okay. I don't I don't think it looks generic. I think it does look like a Corvette. I do think the more that I look at it, the better it looks. Um, yeah, and I also haven't seen one in person, which I think will probably change my thinking. Well, but in natural light settings, I think it looks better. So so it's funny because I, I always feel I understand why they pull in the heritage, but I have such a soft spot for some of the older, smaller, more curvaceous Corvettes. I mean, this is very Lambo like this is very much in your face. It's a very, very expressive design. And I found especially the back to be really busy. Like there's just a lot going on back there and not necessarily. Which which is way. just like a C7 Corvette because it had a very busy rear end. Well, this but this just was. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, maybe I'm just not. And obviously I am in no way, shape or form the target buyer. But, you know, when I look. Well, you're at not a 65 year old white male. No, you're not. You're, you're you're right. I'm not. And and that's hopefully not even in my dating pool at this point either. But <laughs> so I think I, you know, I the the interior is another area that we've that we've. Oh, have, yeah. You know. You, you know, I so. We should talk about the interior. Well, let's let's buttons. let's let's talk a little but, bit more about the exterior first. Well, yeah, yeah it was, but so I mean, I think, but Sam, you I, basically cut me off and said that I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I, but I, I think I'll agree with you that it, it's busy. But um, I wonder if that's sort of like just the the, the sort of tenor of the times. It's not just. It's certainly not just Chevrolet that's making busy designs. Um, no, I just I prefer I prefer a more elegant approach like the classic 60s stingrays like what i'm seeing from some of the aston martins that are out there and maybe that's not a fair comparison but if you look at this and say is this more ferrari versus lamborghini i think it's more lamborghini and i prefer a ferrari look so that's that's yeah i i agree i agree with that assessment It, it is definitely more more lamborghini than ferrari um and that's interesting because all i see is 430 Mm, no you know maybe it's because they they launched in red yeah yeah well i I think you know the 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 430 you know and and ferraris in general typically you know have you know smoother surfaces you know you don't you tend not to have as many sharp creases this this thing has a lot of sharp creases you know i mean if if you're going to put it in in aircraft terms i mean this is more like like the the f-117 stealth fighter you know the original stealth fighter you know which was all sharp you know flat flat surfaces, sharp creases, you know, this is more along those lines or, or, you know, or 
you know, like many Lamborghinis over the years that had, you know, more of an origami kind of look to them. Maybe it'll refract radar waves really well, just like those stealth fighters did. I no, I, I doubt that. But <laughs> not not for sixty grand at least. Um, no. But uh, you know, I think I think we're you know where where I maybe disagree with you a little, Rebecca, is that I think at least you know relative to the C seven, I think it does have you know there is a continuation of a lot of the design themes from the C seven um corvette which for sure by the way was not my favorite generation of corvette my my personal favorite was the c6 and and of course the c2 uh you know the mid-60s vets but um you know the the of the modern corvettes the c6 was my my favorite i think i thought it had the best proportions and the best you know it had more of that that cleaner look to it that said you know seeing this thing in person you know i think it does have a real presence to it and while the the rear end in particular, I agree, you know, did look very busy, uh, much like the C7 did. You know, I, I think that overall, I think it's it's actually surprisingly well executed. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's I think it's got a good look to it that is, you know, well, I mean, ultimately, there's only so much you can do with a two seat mid engine sports car shape, you know, without going off into the weeds like, say, a, a Gumpert Apollo you know, or some other, you know, weird, you know, one or two off, um, you know, I, I think, I think that there, there's enough distinctiveness in here that sets this apart, you know, that it's, it's not, you know, all of these other sports cars. Uh, so I, I think overall they, you know, they succeeded with the exterior and then completely fell over and, you know, did it totally wrong <laughs> on the inside. The inside is, well, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I, I just I think that there's there it's a be, it's a beautiful car. I think it's a really cool car. And and I think it'll do well in the marketplace. The interior is a whole nother storyline. <laughs> it's a whole nother storyline. It's it, it's stunning. Um and and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. Yeah, I just, yeah. so I looked at some of the pictures from the the Concours that it attended. Mm. And from different angles than the press photos, I got a better sense of that that strip of buttons that everybody was horrified by. Uh, and so my first impression is like, oh, that is that is sixties and seventies GM, where they're they're innovating or they're trying to innovate. They're they're going change off. for the sake of change. Yeah, they're you know, and it just it reminded me of the kind of thing you'd see in like a Toronado or something. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but also, it still makes me it it's you know, tilted and positioned in such a way where it doesn't look like it's the massive reach from a driver that it initially appeared. Like, yeah. And, you, and you're right. Bad. Because, because the car, you know, the, 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 those press photos, I think kind of exaggerated the width of it. Yeah. And, you know, this is actually a fairly compact car. It's not, it's not that big, which is surprising. You know, when you look at it, you know, when you look at it in isolation, it looks like this thing's enormous, but when you see it in person, it's, it's actually surprisingly small. Uh, which is particularly impressive given the, some of the packaging they've done, you know, the amount of cargo space they've got in this thing, you know, that they, that it's actually as small as it is, is, is pretty amazing. But you know, that, that console is definitely not as wide as it looks in some of the photos, but it is tall. It is really tall. Yeah. It is really tall. And that's, it gave, I got the impression of a sidecar. Yes. Like the passenger will, will feel like 
they are sitting in the sidecar of a motorcycle as opposed to being in the same vehicle. And there's not going to be any hanky panky going on in this thing because you are, you are separated. Listen, you're a 65 year old white man with golf clubs in the trunk and a trophy wife in the passenger seat. Whose job it is to not talk. I, Dude, this car is designed perfectly for its target market. Well, gosh, but that's but that's awful. the thing is, it's not. I mean, the the target market, you know, that that is actually not the target market for this thing. They are aiming for a younger audience for this thing because they know that their existing market for Corvettes, oh, the right. people who buy most Corvettes today, are getting older and they're so going to be dying off eventually. What they need to do is take the damn thing racing, like, and and in, instead of like glossy magazine ads and spreads and whatever and print media that n- nobody but the guys who are dying by uh, read like make a Corvette spec series and, and like have concerts at the spec series. It's just something like you need to make events around this car so that people who are younger will go and see the car and get impressed by it. Cause it, it is, it's a $60,000 car. It gets, you know, zero to 60 in three seconds. Like it, it, you look at the packaging and you're like, it, it lives up to that promise of an affordable supercar that, yeah. has been what we've said about the Corvette for years. And, and I think it just, it gets amplified with this generation. You know, you look at the car, it's just so good in, in how it was engineered. It's very clever. It's going to, it performs crazy good for $60,000. I mean, we're just talking about a BMW that's $50,000, a Volvo that's $55,000. You stretch a little and bit. And are, they are not even in the same ballpark from a performance perspective as this thing. Oh no, this will blow the doors off just about anything. And, no, and this is just the beginning. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I think I, I like the idea of of building. They, they need to do building marketing around this vehicle for sure. Um, but I just I don't know if that interior it is. It isn't just driver focused. It is it's driver it is, isolating. It is driver isolating. Exactly. And some of us like it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, uh, I mean, Sam, what did you call that thing? The pictures that I had where it's, uh, it's like a cutout, cutout of the interior. Oh, a buck. A buck. Yes. Yeah. So, so I took some pictures of the buck. I cannot, that word just does not stick in my head. Um, and, and it's, and, and I remember even sitting in it. It's a, the materials that they used are absolutely beautiful and you know they did a really nice job on so many things. So yeah, that's that's good. That's good to hear because uh, uh, you know interior materials have been a knock on the Corvette for decades. Right, and yeah. and so it's nice to see them actually execute it well. And you know, looking at it, it looks like they've executed a bad design very well. Yes, exactly. The interior, I, I think that they're they're going to regret the, some of the decisions on the interior. Um, and I would imagine that we'll see some changes to it because it is it's very controversial. And, and I don't and- I don't know how much they can change it, though, because I think, you know, a lot of that, you know, especially like the height of that center console yeah. is is part of probably part of the structure of the car. So I don't so know how why, much they really can it, change it. Yeah. Why does it? I don't have, know. I guess I guess the question answers itself when you say, why does it have? There's a tunnel there, right? That's part of the reason why the center console is high. There's a, a tunnel that runs up to the front. 
Uh, yeah. So I, I, I suspect that the, the fuel tank is probably in that center tunnel right now. Okay. So, and, and my thought for, was like batteries are all wheel drive drive. Well, yeah. And you know, those are things that, you know, talking to some of the folks from GM, you know, at, at some point in the life cycle of this car, we are almost certainly going to see various electrification options. You know, like it, we will probably see a hybrid version of this thing at some point, you know, with an electric motor on the front axle. Um, you know, and, and perhaps it'll be a plug-in hybrid, you know, and stuff, you know, stuff a battery down the middle. There's also the potential to do, you know, there, there's been some discussion that there will be a fully electric version of this at some point, you know, and given the, you know, the, the size of the engine compartment, you know, the, the amount of space between the passenger compartment and the rear axle, you could put a, a good sized battery in there. And then, you know, also down that center tunnel and, you know, have, have a, an electric sports car with some pretty impressive range, uh, you know, from that thing. So, you know, I think those are, those are all potential options for this thing. And speaking, you know, what you were mentioning earlier, Dan, about going racing, they are going racing with this. You know, there is a C8R that my guess is they'll probably debut it at the, um, the Petit Le Mans in October. Um, and you know, it'll, it'll start racing in January at the 24 hours of Daytona. Um, but you know, maybe some sort of spec racing series as well, or yeah, you know, something like, be... you know, the Porsche cup series or, you know, the, you know, there's, there's Ferrari, um, GT race series, customer race series as well. You know, something like that with the, with the C8 would, would, I think would be a great thing for them to do. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the way to really build credibility. You know, that it racing glory. I realize that they race Corvettes still and they, they do quite well as, but you know, in, in the series that they're in, but I, it just, it, it flies mm. kind of under the radar and back, you know, the Corvette reputation was built at a time when it was just a lot scrappier and, and racing all over the place you know, drag races and, and, you know, uh, the stuff that was on the old airstrips and stuff like that it was just everywhere. So make a return to that. You got a $60,000 car. That's really, really attainable. When people are buying Teslas that are, you know, the model three is 55,000 average price. Like it's, this is, this is, this is not a stretch to get into. It's not that expensive. No, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't, I think, I don't know how many they'll actually sell of $60,000 versions of it, but, but if that's, I mean, the starting price I think is absolutely fantastic. It's really, it's amazing. And we'll have to wait and see whether navigation is a $495 option or not. <laughs> yeah. This well, is it, a car you it, want it, to get it, lost in. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't need nav in a car like this, you know, and yeah. sport, sports cars don't need nav. You just, just get in and drive, you know, yes. wherever, wherever you end up is just fine. Yeah. Late as, long, dinner. as long as, there, as long as there are gas stations somewhere along the way, so you can keep fueling it up. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I mean, you know, that, that base, you know, that base version, you know, 495 horsepower, you know, and zero to 60 in three seconds, you know, imagine what, what you're going to get, you know, when you get a Z06, you know, with, uh, you know, 650 or 700 horsepower or a ZR1, you know, when they, when they drop a high output version of the, the Blackwing twin turbo V8 in there, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's going to be amazing. And even with what they have now, you know, with the small block, the latest generation of the small block, the way they've packaged, you know, they, they've done it. It's a, it's a dry sump engine, you know, so they can mount the thing lower in the chassis. And then they have the, uh, the oil reservoir mounted on the front of the engine block, you know, so that it's, you know, they, they can build it that way right in the, on the, uh, on the engine line and then just 
stuff the whole thing into the car. It's it's really impressive what they've done. Yeah, and I think that that's that's something that um, they would be smart not to let that get lost about all the hard work. Oh, and, and I'm, I'm and sure they're, engineering. They're, I'm sure they're going to be talking a lot more about that. You know, another example. You know, because that engine is mounted so low, they um, you know the output shaft, you know the the crankshaft actually has to go through a, a gear set that goes up to the input shaft of the transmission of that eight speed DCT. Um, because it's 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 actually down below the the input shaft of the of the gearbox, and um, you know they they did some really clever engineering to make that all work and, and get that packaged. So wait wait there's it it's not like the input shaft the transmission doesn't bolt directly to the end of the crankshaft like it or like no. a normal car. <laughs> no, because it, it's it's actually tall, higher than where the crankshaft the crankshaft is so low because it's a dry sump. That they, you know, it actually has to go up a a couple of inches to get to the input shaft of the. They just have like a little like one to one gearing in there. They could they could fiddle around. They could put like they could overdrive the transmission. Yeah. Well, apparently from from what I understand, part of the reason why it's able to do that zero to 60 in three seconds is because the first gear is actually exceptionally low. I don't know exactly what the gear ratio is, but they've they've basically got a, you know, a, a, a drag racing launch first gear in there to get it off the line. And then, you know, the other seven gears are the ones you mostly use for driving around. Yeah. It's an impressive car. Um, and it, interestingly, this is being developed at the same time as the, the Cadillac, uh, black wing twin turbo overhead cam V eight that apparently they have no intention of ever bringing anywhere near the C eight Corvette. You will, you um, will never see a, a, an engine, a twin turbo V eight badged as a black wing in a Corvette. Which right. doesn't mean that you won't see a twin turbocharged v- to an overhead cam V8 engine in a Corvette. It, it just may, won't be. It just won't have that. It won't be called a Blackwing. Right. It'll and it'll probably have a slightly different displacement. All right. Well, let's stay with GM. And you had some thoughts about the Cadillac XT6. Are they good thoughts or are they not so good thoughts? Well, when we saw it back in January at the Detroit Auto Show. When they revealed it, I think most of us that saw it were decidedly underwhelmed by what we saw. Um, you know, R- Rebecca, were you at that Cadillac event in January? No. Okay. I was not. Uh, I think I th- saw it in New York, though. Did they have it in New York then? Uh, yeah, it was on the stage in New York. Yes. You know, in January, the you know the design looked. Um, you know, unimp- uh, uninspired. Let's put Are it that way. Your words very carefully. Is this- well, yeah, I, I am. Uh, you know, it, it looked uninspired. You know, the front end looked good. Uh, sure. You know, it, it, it draws a lot on on recent um, Cadillac concepts like the the El Mirage. Uh, but then the rest of it, you know, looked very derivative. I mean, it looked. It, you know, a lot of us thought it looked a lot like a Volvo XC90 or you know, or any any number of other big crossovers. I mean, part of and, part of. Uh, Part of it is probably that I just stepped out of the Acadia, but I see a lot of the Acadia in it. Well, and yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And, you know, when but when we saw it actually out in the daylight uh, last week, it it definitely looked better. I mean, it's still not, you know, it's not going to, you know, blow your socks off. You know, it it's not it's not going to really attract a whole lot of attention, but I think, it you know, it looks good. It you know, it's it's well executed. 
you know, every, you know, um, I, I think that people in the market, you know, that want a three row Cadillac crossover are probably going to really like this thing. You know, so it, livery services. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, people, people who maybe have an XT five today um, and want something a little bigger, they need a little extra space in it or that, you know, like the idea of an Escalade, but think it's just too big. You know, I, I it's, be, it's kind I, of the, the right is, size. This is definitely not as ostentatious as an Escalade. And right. It's not quite as big, but that that's oh, it's nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's nowhere um, near that big. I think it, but, it gives you that third row and it's it's way less flashy, which I think honestly yeah. like that. That's a that's a positive in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, the interior actually, you know, the interior was another thing that a lot of people complained about in January. You know, the interior they had on the, the show cars back then definitely did not look up to snuff. The ones we saw on the production cars last week were were much better. You know, the much better, nicer materials, nicer color combinations. You know, and it just it, it looked a lot better. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it, it looked reasonable for the price point. So that's what but, I remember. It's interesting that you say that, Sam, because I remember seeing the X-T4 right. and being almost appalled at the interior. Almost. Yeah, this, like, this is definitely better. Okay. Well, and then, but then when I saw the XT4 uh, last, uh, a few months, a few weeks ago out in California, and I spent, uh, I don't know, it was like only about half an hour or so in it, the materials weren't that bad. Then I thought, oh, maybe I just, I had just come out of a Volvo. I just seen the XC40, and then I went to the XC, XT4. And, but so so they did they did definitely change some of the interior then and upgraded it from some yeah, of the show and, cars you know, that we how, saw. How, okay. You know, it's it's probable that the, the cars we saw in January, you know, were pre production, they were pilot production models, you know, it was it was probably not entirely representative, you know, because I, I don't think they could have changed very much, you know, in the, right. the six months since then. Um but you know for for whatever reason, they it, it, they definitely looked better now. It, okay. it, looked, it definitely looked more up to snuff. So that was a good thing. Um, from a packaging standpoint, you know, Cadillac actually did a really good job with packaging on this thing because this 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 vehicle is actually based on the XT5 platform. It's not you know unlike what we all suspected previously that it was based on the Lambda, uh, the, which is used for the Chevy Traverse and Buick Enclave and the Acadia. It's actually based on the XT5 which is a smaller platform. It's a shorter wheelbase. Um, and it's, it's wheelbase is only about a quarter of an inch longer than the XT five, but it's two inches wider and it's three inches taller. And they've, they've actually done a really good job of, of packaging overall to get three rows in this thing. And the third row is actually quite useful, quite comfortable because it's so tall. The third row is actually, you know, the third row seat cushions are actually a couple of inches higher up. Then the second row, so you've got that kind of theater seating effect, and adult, you know, two adults can sit back in that third row quite comfortably. I got back in there, you know, and I had plenty of headroom. Uh, my knees were not up in the air, uh, you know, which is the case, you know, in a lot of uh, three rows. You know, it's it's vastly better than you know the the long the longer version of the Lexus RX. Uh, you know, the the packaging and that thing is just it, why they even bothered with that. I don't know. Um, it's better, you know, be the third row is better than the Acura MDX. So it's actually a very usable three row crossover. Um, 
do you lose all the storage then? Yeah, that that is the problem. <laughs> you do lose most of the storage. Something I, because, something has to give. <laughs> right. Because and, and the XT5, you know, to its credit, actually has a, a really big cargo area. It's, mm. it's about almost 30 cubic feet behind the behind the seats. This one, you have 12 cubic feet behind the third row seats, which is not wow. good. Oh, that's that's not good at all. That's no, like, that's so like if Corolla trunk. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you don't need all the seats, you know, you can fold down, you know, there's split fold seats. So you can fold down one side and, you know, have extra cargo space there. But yeah, it's, it's, you, you don't get much cargo space behind those third row seats. And that is typical of most of these kind of midsize or upper midsize three row crossovers. So you don't, you basically lose all your cargo in exchange for that third row. So you, you kind of have to look at it from that perspective. You know, it does have standard roof rails, you know, so you can, you know, put a roof rack, you know, put uh, a cargo carrier on the roof if you want to. Um, it's got things like uh, the standard um, panoramic sunroof, uh, which is really nice. And, you know, it, one of the things I think Cadillac has, uh, or GM has heard some of the complaints from a lot of people over the last year or two about nickel and diming on a lot of the, the features, you know, doing a base model that is missing a lot of features that are standard on a lot of other cars. Uh, and so on this one, interestingly, uh, you know, the Cadillac's been going, you know, been shifting to this, what they call their um, Y uh, structure for their, their trim levels. You know, so they typically have a base version, which they call luxury, and then a premium luxury and a sport version on top of that you know, which are kind of in parallel with each other. And, you know, in this case, in the case of the XT6, they don't bother with a base luxury version. They just have the premium lux and the sport. And then you can add a, a platinum package to either one of those. They, um, you know, across the board, you know, they, a lot of the driver assist features that, you know, they charge a lot charge several thousand dollars extra for on the XT4, they're standard on this one. And they're actually going to be moving towards the same kind of strategy on XT4 and other models as well on, on the CT5. Um, so you do get quite a bit of standard equipment um, included with this one. The only powertrain right now is 3.6 liter V6 that you had in that Acadia with the nine-speed automatic, That's which is fine. a yeah, it's a nice powertrain. It's got it's got more than enough power, uh, you know, 310 horsepower in, in this one. Um, you know, so the the performance is more than adequate. Compared to the XT4, the the NVH is much much better in this one. The XT4, you know, complained before about a lot of road noise coming through, a lot of engine noise. Not a problem in this one. It's much quieter inside. Um, but you know, while they have executed well on what they have here, what they haven't done is try to stretch and you know try to do something really above and beyond you know what the competition is doing. You know, whether it's from a design standpoint or an equipment standpoint, you know, the, the premium Lux all wheel drive that I drove with the platinum package was $70,000. And, you know, for 70 grand, you know, there's a lot of other stuff you can get that is at least as good, if, if not better. You know, I think wow. that I think it was, you know, <clears throat> it's. You know, th this was, you know, in, in the review I wrote up on this, you know, it's like. When you do performance reviews in, in your job, you know, a lot of times, you know, at least in the last few jobs I've had, you know, the ratings are, you know, like um, needs improvement, uh, meets expectations, exceeds expectations, you know, as kind of the, the rankings. And, you know, 
meets expectations means you know you've you've done exactly what you're supposed to do but nothing extra and you know i give this one a solid meets meets expectations because they haven't really dared to go above and beyond and you know rebecca you and i are going to be driving the lincoln aviator in a couple of weeks you know which is really the most direct competitor for this thing Mm. And, you know, the aviator, the base aviator starts with a twin turbo V6 with 400 horsepower. And then you have a plug in hybrid with 30 mile range at 450 horsepower and 600 foot pounds of torque. You know, and frankly, you know, the, the design of the aviator, you know, I think is, you know, looks much more even way more premium than this thing. And the interior looks way more premium and upscale compared to this, you know, at a comparable price point. You know, so I think, you know, Cadillac, you know, they're they're probably going to pull in, you know, Cadillac customers, people who, like I said, you know, want something a little bigger than an XT5 or a little smaller than an Escalade, still want a Cadillac. You know, they're going to do great with the XT6. Whether they're going to be able to draw away customers from the Aviator or the MDX or the, the RX, you know, or any number of other three row utilities, uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be a challenge for them. Well, so you were talking about how they didn't really innovate, right? Uh, or you push the envelope. I, I feel like GM gets in this position of kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? If they don't, we complain that they haven't. That they, yeah, they went really conservative right up the middle, like does everything it's supposed to do, but nothing else. Uh, but if they were to try to innovate, then we'd be complaining about something else like a strip of buttons <laughs> yeah know, like, no. that's a good point and you know yeah. uh, one example you know during our test drive um in around you know around dc and northern virginia is you know one of the things that they've that they've done with their navigation system it's tied into onstar and what it actually does is it'll um it'll actually download points of in, point of interest database for the local area in which you're driving to the vehicle. You know, so it, it's, it's using some connectivity to enhance what's available in the, the embedded navigation system in the car, which is a good thing because I mean, that's one of the advantages you get of using Google maps or Apple maps or ways is, you know, it can go to the cloud to get all that, all that stuff that you're looking for. And it's, it's more fresh and up-to-date information. However, uh, on our drive route, uh, they had the, the first leg of the drive route actually programmed into the nav system. And about five miles from our, our first, uh, from our driver change point, all of a sudden the navigation screen went blank <laughs> and we could not get it to turn, to come back on again. We tried everything there's, and it turns out mo- every, everybody else did as well. <laughs> um, and we talking to the chief engineer when we got to at lunch, um, you know, it turns out that, there was a bug in the software, you know, after uh, this had been reported to him by several of the people on the, on the drive, he called back to, uh, to Dearborn or to, to Warren um, to ask what was going on, you know, what, what, what's happening with this. And it turns out this was a bug that the engineers had discovered um, a couple of weeks ago and they had, they were already, uh, they already had a fix and they were in the process of testing it. And uh, an over the air update was going to get pushed out, to those vehicles within the next, uh, within the next couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, mo- customers won't actually see this problem, but w- what happened was um, if the car, if you were in a 
area where the, the system lost connectivity, uh, didn't, you didn't have a cellular connection, uh, it would crash the, the navigation system. And, you know, if you're driving out in a rural area like we were, it's not uncommon to have no, no cell connection. And so, it, you know, it, it, you know, it wasn't a dangerous problem, but it was, a, it was an annoyance. But fortunately, you know, they have a way to update that over the air. And so that's going to that's going to get fixed on all these vehicles fairly, fairly shortly. Um, but, you know, that's an example where, you know, they actually did try to do something a little more innovative and, you know, they they made a mistake and it came back to bite them. Yeah. And I don't think that we're necessarily looking for crazy innovation from them. No, especially on, on a product like this. But to your point, like in order to pull people into this vehicle, there has to be elements of surprise and delight. Mm-hmm. And there has to be something that they feel like, you know, this is going to be the best thing for my family. And and Cadillac, you know, like Volvo is known for safety and, and they're they're you know, that tagline, you know, they they're known for that. And Cadillac, like in some ways, you want it to be it, it it needs to be a better steward of the brand, as we've talked about before. And and this idea of, you know what, I can't get this feeling this emotional solution from any other vehicle. I have to buy this Cadillac. I have to get this car. That's what it, to me, it's kind of missing that emotional draw or charisma. That's, that's that's exactly right. There's, there's nothing, you know, for somebody that is an XC90 driver or an X5 or X7 driver. Or a Palisade driver. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, that's very, very totally true. Legit. You know, totally they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to look at this and if they even see it, you know, if it even registers of what they're looking at, you know, they're going to say, yeah, okay, that's nice. You know, and move on. There's, you know, but when they see the aviator or a Palisade for that matter, you know, there's, there's something far more distinctive there about the way those vehicles look that I think is going to draw their attention and they're going to say, hey, now, what is that? You know, and maybe take a closer look. Well, and that's that's just not that doesn't exist here in this vehicle. Yeah. I mean, it, when when you think about Cadillac, has has the brand staked out any kind of territory? And and they really haven't. Like I when I think of Cadillac, I think of near misses. Right. Like certainly the, the CTSV. Uh, but then <laughs> stuff like the Cimarron. And uh, well, okay, that's going uh, way I, I would, back, yeah, dude. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold the Cimarron against him at I, this I'm point. I'm not holding I, it against. I them. think the statute of limitations is, is worn out Listen, on that. I just, like I said, I'm thinking of near misses, right? There's maybe the Katera. There's that. Okay, the Katera. It's just, and I don't, I don't mean to to bring up these things that are quote unquote failures. Like they were, they were attempts, you know. But they've, they've really struggled with what is. A Cadillac, like what is it? And Lincoln has struggled with this too. They're not immune. They just, I think they've managed to move themselves into a, a better position just because of the the hardware that they're dealing with and and the approach that they took. Um, but there's yeah, not. And I, well, there's, there's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, there's just not that immediate sort of recollection of what it means to be a Cadillac. Well, and I think I, I hate the alphanumerics, which I know we've talked about before. Yeah. But I think that Lincoln has done a, a, an incredibly elegant job 
of rolling out and transitioning away from the MK question marks to two names again, you know, and they've done it in such a way that is relatable and adaptable and appealing and people have picked up on it very quickly. And so I, you know, I'd love to see Cadillac go back to names as well. I, I mean, I, I hope the XT6 does well for them. I, I hope that they sell a bunch because they, they could use a shot in the arm. Yeah. You know, I, I think they'll, they'll sell a bunch of them. Uh, you know, the, it's just, I don't think they're necessarily going to get a lot of conquests with this one. Um, you know, I think it's between now and when they finally launch their electric crossover, you know, this may be a good placeholder, but that's really all it is. Well, maybe that's all it needs to be, you know? So maybe, maybe we're getting ourselves worked up over nothing. Yeah. Um, Oh, one, you know, a couple of things that they, you know, that they really did do right. You know, like I said, they, I mentioned the uh, camera mirror earlier and, uh, you know, they've got an updated version of that on here that, you know, is, um, you know, got a, a clearer, higher resolution display. Um, you know, it's faster frame rate. You know, so there's a little less latency than before. And, you know, I think it worked really well. I, I you know, I was quite pleased with the, with the way it performed. And, uh, they've also got a new version of the jog dial, um, on the center console, which, um, you know, will also be on the CT5 and CT4 and eventually on the XT4. Um, you know, when they launched the XT4 last year, they, they added that rotary controller on the console, but it didn't have any ability to, you know, jog left, right, forward, or back, you know, for selecting stuff on the screen. It, you, all you could do is spin it and press it to, to select, you know, for entering um, addresses and stuff like that or phone numbers. Um, this one, you know, works more like an, like an iDrive and actually has that jog functionality built into it and, and worked quite well. Good. I'm glad that, cool. glad that somebody's figuring out how to do ergonomics. Yeah. <laughs> now, if they can just apply that to Corvette, we'd be gold. <laughs> we asked some folks what they thought we should talk about or what they wanted to know. And we did get some, some replies to our questions. Uh, so we should... We should answer those. Okay. I suppose. Um, do, do you have a favorite, Sam? It sounds like you've got one like ready to go. Uh, well, let's start with uh, Nick Hadiadaris. I think that's the right. Close enough anyway. Um, and uh, he asks, is Jeep the only way to get a manual transmission in a pickup now? Uh, referring to the Gladiator. And in fact, no, it's not. Um, you can still get a manual transmission in the Nissan Frontier. And um, at least according to the specs on the, the media site for Chevrolet and GMC, you can also get a manual transmission with the four cylinder, two wheel drive, four cylinder and the uh, Canyon in Colorado. Although looking at the, the build and price sites, you know, for Chevrolet and GMC, they don't actually show that as an option there, <laughs> um, but it is listed in the specs. So presumably, you know, you could maybe go to a dealer and special order one, or maybe find one, you know, parked in the back of the lot somewhere, uh, you know, that is the, uh, you know, the, the price leader special that, you know, they maybe had one in stock uh, and it's been sitting there for, for nine months or a year. Uh, but you can at least in theory get a manual transmission in the Canyon of Colorado. Um, and you used to be able to get one in the Tacoma. Uh, the last Tacoma I drove uh, about two years ago did have a manual in it, but uh, it doesn't look like it's available anymore. Yeah, I, I think... Um... In all of those cases, though, they're all two-wheel drive. Yes. 
um, and on the base engine. And so, well, actually, the Tacoma I had was a was a TRD. Oh, was uh, it? four wheel drive and it had a manual transmission. I would be surprised if that's a thing. It was a terrible exists. manual transmission. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was like kind of moved around all over the place. That's, that's kind of, but, a, but it was a manual. Yeah. That's sort of, that's the Tacoma charm. It's actually <laughs> crap to drive, but people love them. Um, they run forever, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. And that weird splay legged seating position. Uh, the only way to get a four by four though is Probably the Gladiator. If I, yeah, I don't even I think, think of so. the Gladiator as a pickup, but I guess that's what it is. It's just it's cleverly designed to fill that role too. Um, but it's yeah, it's that's an expensive way to go. If you must have a manual and a pickup, and that's the only option, you're going to cost yourself money. And then there was also one other question um, that was uh, 2020 uh, Hyundai Ionic EV range and price positioning with respect to Kona. Um, there are updates coming to the 2020 Ionic. Um, we don't know the details yet. Uh, apparently it will get more range and we don't know pricing either. My guess is that, um, they will probably, they may put in the, uh, currently the Ionic has a 27 kilowatt hour battery pack. It may get the 40 kilowatt hour battery pack that they put in the Kona overseas. Uh, overseas, you can get a Kona with two different battery sizes, a 40 and a 62 kilowatt hour. And here we only get the 62, um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put the 40 kilowatt hour pack in the in the Ionic, you know, giving it probably somewhere around a 160 to 170 mile range, uh, and keeping the price down a little lower than, than the Kona, because one of the one of the things about the Ionic, you know, has been you know trying to do the the value thing, you know, because the current Ionic EV um, you know, starts at thirty thousand dollars. Uh, you know, so you probably get the 40 kilowatt hour one for maybe 33, 34, uh, which would be, you know, quite a, you know, several thousand less than the, the Kona, which starts at 37.5. Just, just buy one though. Don't worry about the range. The range is fine. <laughs> it's not an issue. Um, okay. I got another one. Uh, will the USA ever get the Suzuki Jimny? <laughs> And have any of you driven or seen it up close? Um, I think I, I have, have any of you seen it up close or driven? It? I have not, but I did see a truckload of uh, Mahindra Roxers last week. Nice. Uh, going down the, going, going down the freeway awesome. in the opposite direction. You know, I was wondering if I saw this crazy Jimny thing in India at some point, but you probably did. Right, I would think that Suzuki, I would have Suzuki done. is big in in India. They are they are big well, in it's India. Su- it's Suzuki Maruti, right? It's like the yes, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, it's all sorts of fun, but of course, of course Suzuki's not even in the states anymore, and so not I with four wheel vehicles anyway. Right, right. The, the, the brand is still in, but not not with not with four not with traditional cars and trucks. Um, well, and along those same lines of things that have gone away. Um, I love Harold Combs' question of if you could wave your magic wand and kill or resurrect a GM product line, which one would you pick? Oh, the Ooh. kill one is interesting. I mean, I would. You go negative right away, don't you, big guy? Absolutely. It's <laughs> 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 so a way resurrect. of relating to the world. Manage my <sighs> expectations. Yeah. <laughs> if you're never an optimist. You don't have to be disappointed. Um, hmm. 
Hmm. It's, I will say that I I, I would I would resurrect a Saturn sky and put a proper top on it, you know, that you can actually fold down, you know, without getting out of the car. I, that's a Miata. <laughs> <laughs> but the world needs more small two seat convertibles. Not that. Oh my that gosh. one though. That no. yeah, I like the sky. You fit in the sky. I barely fit in the yeah. sky. Yeah, no, I fit in it. Because it's actually a little bit bigger than a Miata. Is it? I, that, that yeah, was I, I never actually drove. I didn't drive the Sky, but I drove the Solstice Coupe um, oh, you know, a, a couple of weeks before they canceled it. it uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I fit in. I fit fine in it. Really? I, I love myself a good Pontiac. I liked the I Solstice. Am- like, but just I the Solstice GXP is the only one worth having. And that just it drove like such a kit car. Cause it was just like, well, it, it was, but it was a kid. It car, was, and I'm, I'm astounded by the clever, like parts binning that they did. Yeah. Like just, they just pulled pieces from across the empire to make that thing. And, and for, and, and for the most part, it worked, it worked a lot better than the Fiero did. Oh yeah. yeah. It worked great in that. But sense. you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the biggest flaw with that car really was the top. You know, the top was just atrocious. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't to put it down, put it down or put it up. You know, it was just a total pain in the ass. And um, the the which is um, weird because Porsche can get away with doing that and charging extra for it. Like, the, well, the, yes, the Blockster Speedster, which has <laughs> that's like true. A, like, but they're that, Porsche. They're not Pontiac. Yeah, that's true. But like, seriously, like the Boxster Boxster Spider has like it had like a turnbuckle and like this big red <laughs> handle on the the top like and he's like okay so <laughs> so what, 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 what would you guys revive if pain. you could revive one huh what would you revive what would i revive uh, reviving is interesting um oldsmobile like no one 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 model not a, not a whole them. brand <laughs> all of that <laughs> Uh, well, they were, they, at some at one point they were all cutlasses. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I really liked the and it's a W body, which is weird for me. But the, the Toronado, Toronado Trofeo, it was like a couple of years or one year only. Okay, it was, it was the W body Toronado. They made it a little extra long. They added some to the trunk, I think, and it just it was a really yeah. elegant car. It was nice. It wasn't bad. It was all right. What about you, Rebecca? The Cimarron, of course. The Cimarron. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Elante? <laughs> no, I, I, you know. The Riata? I would the ha- Riata. We're going. Uh, oh, I, I do like the, you deep, know. Deep I cuts do, here. There yeah. is something I, I absolutely right. I, I love that's... the Elante. I could be down with a. Uh... Oh, sorry. I was on mute. I didn't realize. I, ab- did, did, I absolutely love the El Camino. SS. I just I okay. just I love the I, I love the ridiculousness of that vehicle. Something more current though, I would probably I the Pontiac uh GTO. I just the even even the one that with the Holden the, version of it. The, okay, so like the 2005 6 GTO. Yeah, 2005 6, yes. Okay. I, that, was, that was a lot of what, car for the well, what what about what about the uh the G8 pickup that never actually got to production? Oh, the, yeah. Oh. Mm. That, I remember I was at the uh, the 2008 New York Auto Show when they revealed that one, which yeah. was which was pretty hysterical because it was Bob Lutz on stage with 50 Cent. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh, that's right. <sighs> oh, gosh. Uh, yes. 
yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I could I could get behind that idea as well, for sure. Yeah, it's a fun question. He did, and, and Harold also asked a much more serious one, which we don't need to get into, but might be a good topic for some other time, is what's the biggest challenge uh, in the automotive industry right now? The next five oh. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next couple of years could be really... Um, it could be tough. Yeah, well, there's... Yeah, that's, there's, well, that's, there's, that's, that's, that's my whole job is yeah. <laughs> trying to understand that one. Yeah, <laughs> there, yeah I mean, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, what regulations are going to do. There's economy and electrification. I mean, that's probably enough. <laughs> yeah, they got, they got one or two things to think about. Um, yeah. Oh, did we ever actually answer whether the Jimny's coming to the U.S.? I don't think I don't think we did, but I, oh. it's not. Uh, it's, yeah. not gonna no. I don't think it is. Go to we're go to the now. U.K. and rent one, and you'll get your fix, and you'll you'll find it's a meet your heroes uh, proposition. Um, I yeah. would be it, I I would be interested to hear if there's a way to import them. I don't know if there is or not. Um, I'm just throw if, that well, out. if you wait twenty five years, you can. Well, yeah, you, you, you know, but there are. There are shops that will federalize them. I don't know if you're ever going to be able to federalize it for emissions, though. That's the that's the thing. But like the, mm. the lights and stuff, or at least it had been an industry. I don't know if it's still something that that you can do. It's a real pain, though. It's not. It's a cool truck, especially it's not worth it. in pictures. But yeah, like that's totally not. Yeah, if 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 you want, you know, if you want something gray market, <clears throat> you're better off probably going with something that's over 25 years old. Because you know you can yeah. actually get some some really fun stuff from the early '90s now that you can bring in legally without having to go through the full federalization yeah, I, process. You can get an early the, '90s Jimny. You, I mean, yeah. it might have a geo badge on it, but whatever. You don't have to yeah. go anywhere for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was at the the Concours of America at, at uh, the end of St. John's this week here in Plymouth, and there I saw three different AutoZam AZ ones there. Um, one one was at the uh, the Cars and Coffee event on Saturday morning. One was in the Concours de Lemons, and another one was actually on the main Concours lawn as part of a, a, a group called Oddities, which also had a, a, a stainless steel prototype 1960 uh, Thunderbird. Um, oh, some, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. This other um, 50s German car that similar to the, uh, the Isetta, uh, but it actually had two doors on it, one on the front, one on the back. And then this massive, this insane um, uh, car called the uh, the Safari car that was built by some seaplane company in Wisconsin back in the early 1970s. Ah, uh, the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. So with that, why don't we wrap it up? Yeah, we've been going for a while and everybody needs to get to bed. So, uh <laughs> Thanks for listening. I think we'll all be back again next week and we'll be able to talk about, uh, we'll talk about the Outback and, um, other Nissan Versa. Yeah. And the Audi Q3 as well. Secret other stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, so thanks for listening. We, we'll we can acknowledge that we drove them. We just can't say, that's say what right. we think of them yet. That's true. Right. But next week we will. So yes, stay tuned and we'll, we'll catch you next week. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.